Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Roper Report. Uh, I think it's an extra podcast um, or whatever you want to call it. Another player interview. Um, we've got someone who I've personally interviewed before, but you've never heard the interview. You've only read the interview and I thought it would be good to get him on the podcast. We've had a few technical difficulties, but we are through. We are all right. Um, someone who many Sunderland fans, especially if you were born in the 90s, will know. It's Chris Megan. How are you doing, Chris? Are you well? I agree. It's great to finally talk to you. Yeah. Some problems that way, but hopefully this this will do now. Yeah, one or two. Yeah, for for people listening, we've we tried to do a podcast about what a month ago, and you had a chest infection. Is that right? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't hold an interview without uh, being able to cough all the way through. So it was, would have been a waste of time. But and we just tried to link up through, uh, through another app, and we couldn't do that. So we're, we're going to try it this way, and hopefully it goes well. We'll get there eventually. It'll be all right. DIY like that, you know what I mean? So. Oh, <laughs> aye. <laughs> so I wanted to start off with a word association, right? So it doesn't have to be just one word. It doesn't have to be a sentence. It can just be the first word. Hey, you you didn't realise, you know, me and Buzz are that we have Alzheimer's. You know that, don't you? <laughs> We're losing the plot out here. You want to do word association? Too much sun in it. Come on, mate. Go on, let's give it a go then. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, right, Peter Reid. Uh, Angry (laughs) Bobby Saxon Angry (laughs) (laughs) Nicky Summerby Say it again Nicky Summerby Uh, uh, Crosses It's it's accurate though Um, Kevin Phillips Goals Niall Quinn Headers Chris Byrne. Character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and finally, Milton Nunes. Oh, that's easy, that, isn't it? It's uh, small. <laughs> Sorry, isn't it? 
<laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Terrible answers. I'm sorry about that. No, I was quite happy with them. Um, <laughs> oh no, actually, I had one more. Kevin Ball. Oh, yeah, good answer. Yeah, yeah. So I know the answers to some of this, but nonetheless, you know, we'll we'll start from the beginning, right? So yeah, oh, we're going back now, aren't we? Jeez, uh, what is it? 20, 20, 21 years ago now? Oh, that's scary, that it is, isn't it? Scary for me. Um, scary. And we're looking at uh, what, what season are we looking at? Ninety seven, ninety eight. I think you joined in 97 uh, yeah yeah I think so yeah and obviously you'd been at Marseille years, yeah. I know where's the time gone mate jeez so Stadium wow. Lights just opened I think you were one of the first in the door um, so how yeah. how does the move come about um, I was in Marseille and the agent that I had at the time uh, Mike Morris from Manchester uh, Peter Reed knew very well <laughs> so he kept in tabs with me while I, uh, I played in Marseille and at the end of the first year um, they made a bid um, the president of Marseille uh, called me for a meeting and made it very plain to me that they wanted the money from it and well, like um, anything in football if, if a football club doesn't want you or a certain person at a football club doesn't want you you have to move on because it's all about playing games yeah. and even though I loved it at Marseille I knew the president didn't want me there so uh, it was time to move on and I was lucky enough to be able to go to a club like Sunderland Was there anyone else after you at the time? Um, I can't, you know what game I really can't remember but once the new Sunderland uh, were coming in for me even though they were in the, in the what it's called now the championship it was the old division one Yeah. Um, I wanted to go because it for me, it was all it was all about playing in in front of a, a, a big crowd, and I got used to that in Marseille, and I, I knew I'd, I'd have more of that at Sunderland. Um, so that's what it was all about for me. What convinced you was the right place? Um, I didn't even have to go. I didn't even have to come back and have a look. I tell you, I, I came back to Sunderland, and, and I went for talks with uh, Reid, and I, I went round the old Roker Park, which was still standing there. <laughs> because it was just about to move into the new, uh, the, you know, the stadium alike. Yeah. But I didn't need any any convincing. Well, once Marseille, well, once the president told me, and, and then I went to see the manager, and once he told me they wanted the money for me, then it made it quite easy for me. And, and, and I didn't even have to go and see Sunderland, really. I didn't have to make the trip back to Sunderland. And I, I, I was always going to sign for Sunderland, so that was it. It was all about... I remember talking to my dad and Sunderland's one of those clubs where you know you're going to play in front of a big crowd and they had a good team and, and really had done well there anyhow so it was a no-brainer for me. I mean obviously you're a northern boy as well so that the when you're looking at the, the semantics of, of moving and, and where you're moving yeah. to obviously you're coming from France which I yeah. imagine is a bit of a wrench anyway to be honest no matter where you're going to but it was yeah. Going, going north England, further north, that, that surely wouldn't have affected you at all. No, um, anything like that didn't, didn't uh, bother me. You know, if, you, if you look through my, my career where I played all over the country, was, um, <clears throat> listen, when, when you're having negotiations, money is important because you know, that's your livelihood. But, yeah. um, I, I, never, I would never ever discount a, a football club because of because of its location I, I just go off the football club and if I had a feeling for the football club and 
you know, I know, I know enough about English football. I know what all the football clubs, uh, you know, bring with in terms of crowd and, and, and the stadium and all that. And, I had no qualms about going up to Sunderland. Uh, you know, played down south at Ipswich and Southampton. The football clubs, right, you, you go and play for that football club. And then, obviously, we brought a few players in that summer. We mentioned one of them, Chris uh, Chris Burn. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone who actually, obviously, had his debut as well. But um, obviously, we played Sheffield yeah. United the the first oh, game. Okay. But then Man City at home, and you know, I know you're a massive red as well, so that would have been big for you as well. But opening day yeah. of the stadium, like I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, dawn of a new era, yeah. great game. What's your memories of it? Um, I'm sure I signed the forms on that day, so um, I wasn't playing. That, I wasn't part of the squad that night, so I went along as a, a spectator. And it was just the, the, the buzz of the new stadium on it, you know, the big yeah. move from Roker Park. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't think many, many of the supporters wanted to leave Roker Park, but once they saw the new stadium and, and, and what it brought with it, um, you know, uh, uh, I think we played Ajax that, that night. There was a band on before the game. It was the band. <laughs> Status quo. Status quo, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> today was on before. And the atmosphere was electric. And all, you know, all the Maccas were, were just made up with a new stadium. All, that's the feeling that I got. It was just exciting times, wasn't it? Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, it was, um, I remember Bowley scoring in the first five minutes or something, getting disallowed as well. But um, then, then... You've got better memory than me. <laughs> I can't remember that. Well, I, I'm, I'm actually known as like the Sunland Encyclopedia. That's the one thing that doesn't go in my uh, doesn't go in my head. I remember I could probably name you the squad to be completely honest with you. I say what I remember Van Sar playing. I remember yeah. one of the was it one of the Loudrops? Uh, Michael Loudrop. Michael Loudrop was in midfield, and I think was he? I want I want to say Frank Reichard was there as well, but I could be wrong. I could be completely uh, wrong. Right. I remember Van der Sar and, uh, and uh, one of the Loudrops, that's all I remember. Michael Loudrop was in midfield and you had like, I, I want to say Clivert was there as well, but I could be completely wrong with that. I, I, it was a while ago, to be fair. When did they win the European Cup? Was that nice? 96 or? 95, I think it was. 95, 95 was it? yeah. Great side when you yeah. think about it. We drew nil nil with them, I'm sure. You know, it's a friendly game, a little bit different, but it's it was a nice game yeah. to open the stadium, shall we say? But then, as I was saying before, you, you're a, you're a Man United fan, right? Yeah. And then we played Man City was your first home game. Now that That's right, yeah. had a little bit more of a obviously because it was a league game over Serious Edge, and on top of that as yeah. well, it was a good performance, and it was the first league game, the first league goals. Well, we had to bounce back. We got beat at Sheffield United on the on the opening day. Yeah, we did. Uh, um, I can't remember much about that game. Um, it was bad. I remember it being very physical, but not not much about the game. Um, so we had to bounce back. Um, was it was it on a Friday night that game? Am I right in thinking that? Yes, it was. It was. I. That's right. It was a it was a Friday yeah. night game. It was live on Sky. <coughs> Uh, and, um, we, we played well. We, we we did bounce back, and we and we played well, um, and we deserved the victory. And, um, I remember, I remember Buzzer coming on. He was a substitute for Sitter, and I played against him that night. He came on as a sub, and I played up against him. And um, yeah, we had a few verbals, as we normally <laughs> do. Um, but it was a good win, um, and it was nice to beat. You know, a club like City, and then it was in front of, I think it was about 30,000 30 there that night. 
there was actually more. I think there was. I think there was near enough forty. I think it was one of those ones where we did put we we pulled a lot in, and I think it dipped a little yeah. bit with a poor form. Um, but then obviously when yeah. we took off, it it really took off. Um, yeah. And you know the start of the season didn't really go to plan, and it all sort of culminated, didn't it, in like a four 0 defeated Redden. But then after that, I remember that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thing, things turned round a little bit, didn't they? But what? what everyone associates, um, especially some of the players, um, including me, that you know when we got promoted, and it was all, it was all, it was all good days. I had some bad days there right at the start. And you just said one there, ready thrown out away Four from nine. home. I broke my nose as well. It was <laughs> the most horrendous day. Um, who else we struggled I tell you we struggled here. we played Huddersfield I think we might have beaten them but 3-1 we, yeah it was an horrible atmosphere uh, I remember I remember when we battered Norwich at home and we got beat 1-0 and everyone was having to go ready over the tunnel and all that so it wasn't it wasn't all uh, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of many good days at the start of the uh, stadium alike no, I, I think it was pretty much that that Redden game that brought things to a head, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was asking for Reedy's head. They wanted Reedy out and all. That. I think Cookie, uh, John Cook was bringing out the skip, and he was having a go at Cookie as well. He was always the kit man. <laughs> Cookie was getting a bit of stick as well. Still there, Cookie as well. Still there. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever leave. But what what was it that changed in that in the dressing room after the Redden game? What what? Because we went on the run, the run we went on was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know uh, whether uh, Reedy was forced into it or maybe it was part of his plan, but he, he brought a, a few of the younger players in, into the team. I got injured, Darren Holloway come in, uh, Darren Williams, um, Jody, Craddock, uh, uh, trying to think now, anyone else come in, I think. Was Mickey playing as a left back then, or did he move back to left back? He he was well. He was he started the season on the like right and left wing, but then yes, he moved to like left back when Jody moved and to left back. Um, You know that that was a, a fantastic move, and um, I, I just you know the young players come in and, and they got a win, and then obviously they found the confidence. And I think Lee Clark came into a bit of form. He started scoring goals, and it, and for some reason he just starts took off. And then I think we got towards I don't know what month it was, but I remember they played Portsmouth away, and it was uh, Buzz's first game. Uh, I think they beat Portsmouth away. Yeah, and I think the introduction of Buzzer when he came in was was, was fabulous for for now Quinn more than anyone, which in that that meant that Kevin Phillips could play more off now Quinn than with uh, Alan Johnson on the other wing. It all just seemed to click. It was just a, it was it was like perfect timing with Summerby coming in, and then you yeah. had obviously Mick, Mickey Gray and Johnson on the wing was just it was telepathic. Yeah. But then I think yeah. also you had I mean obviously it came a little bit later because I think Darren Holloway pretty much got got the first team spot in the first season. But you had a really had similar a fabulous season. You fabulous did fabulous season. It had a really good season and, and did really really well. And I think it was it was injury, wasn't it, that really put him out of that was it the, the playoff game because he came in at half time I don't know uh, you'd have to ask Dan and I, I don't know I remember coming on at half time I couldn't wait to get on because I'd, I'd had a nightmare season in terms of an injury and then when I got in the side we was conceding goals and I was in and out of the side and I just wanted to end the season on a high so I wanted to do everything possible to just get on the pitch at Wembley 
I don't know how many subs there were in them days. I remember being on the bench with I think Alex Ray. I think it was five, yeah, Alex Ray was on the bench. Did Alex start the game? No, Alex came on with uh, yourself and Danny Dietschy, ah, right. I think. Okay, yeah. Um, so I just, I just wanted to enjoy the day. And, um, in the first half, we didn't play well against Charlton, so I just wanted to have an impact on the game. And, uh, certainly had that. It was, it was, it was we ended up 4-4 and you know, the penalties that came after the game. It was, it was some day that against Charlton. Exhausting, I think, is the word that many of us yeah. would probably use, but... When it comes well, we kept to, on taking the lead and they just yeah. kept on pegging us back. And you, you know, when it, especially the last goal when we went four three up, and then it was, uh, the free header for was it Richard Rufus on the back post? Yeah, the third one. Lionel, yeah. Lionel decided to come off his line, uh, couldn't oh. quite get to the cross, and Richard Rufus just you know and it back into the into the empty goal. That was a, that was a killer for us then. Were you confident we were going to win it before you went into the game? Um, very confident because I'm trying to think back. Um, we went on. Uh, we was on a fantastic run going into the playoffs, weren't we? I think and we, we beat Sheffield United on the two legs, was it? Well, they beat us in the first leg. We beat them at the stadium of light. Yeah, was that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah. But they were on a fantastic. The, the lads were. I want. I want part of it. But the lads were on a, a fantastic uh, run uh, to finish. Did we finish third? We finished third on, right? on 90 points, which I believe is still a record it's as well incredible. for not I getting know. promoted. I know. 90 points, that's unbelievable, isn't it? Missed out by a point. And it was just that, um, it, it was basically just that uh, that game against Ipswich. I played in that one as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got beaten out of the result. Probably my fault, yeah. I, mean, I remember that one. That was, that, was a, that was a belting atmosphere down there at Palmer Road. Remember that? It was a, I think that was a, mid, was that a midweek night. I remember it. It, yeah. it was like a rearranged game. It was like our game in hand where if basically we didn't lose, we probably would have went up automatically. But would it have, been, would it have been too soon though? Like, looking back? Yeah. <clears throat> I think so. Um, I really do because we, we, we were very entertaining side but we didn't have that we didn't have that little bit of steel at the back, did we? we, we, we yeah. I don't think we were known for keeping clean sheets, whereas the following season we became, became very mean at the back, didn't we? It totally changed. I think the season afterwards, yeah. you, you went from... I mean, Jody Craddock was a great defender and ended up having a great career, yeah. but if you look at... like he, Andy Melville kind of came in and then you had Paul Butler came in. And it was just a total... Yeah, a bit of it. It was a menace. bit of experience was added to the back and... Um, I won't go from the points that we achieved and maybe all the goals that we scored, but I'm sure, I'm sure we, we kept a lot of clean sheets as well during that uh, promotion season. I think the promotion season, actually, Thomas Sorensen broke the record for the amount of clean sheets for a Sunderland goalkeeper. I can't remember how many. I think it was like 24 or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, i tell you what, you, you're good at stats, you, Graham. It's the only thing I really care about yeah. in my life, Sunderland, and Chris. You are very good. <laughs> so, you know, that's very impressive. I'm getting there, but give me 10 years and come back to me and we'll see where I'm at. <laughs> You'll be a commentator in 10 years, you. So uh, I wish, mate. You're going where you're going. Well, if you've got any contacts, you know where to send them. Um, <laughs> now, what, I didn't want to labour too much on the... Well, actually, I did want to labour on the playoff final, but I didn't want to think about it too much. But I, I think the question for me... You you were heavily involved, whereas beforehand, if if we're honest, for that season, you you weren't that involved as you were in yeah. the future. But how do you prepare yourself for 
for Wembley, not knowing if you're going to get on the pitch. And then when you get on the pitch, uh, how do you handle a game like that, the before, the middle and the after? It was just it was frustration coming out. I'd had a nightmare season. I started off in the team, then I got a bad injury against Swindon at home, and then uh, I think I did my ankle ligaments, and uh, I was out for about three three months, and then I, I came back, and then every time I came back, I seemed to make a mistake, so that led to a goal, and it was just one of those seasons. And then towards the end of the season, I just found a little bit of form and a little bit of fitness. I remember working really hard on my fitness, and we knew we were going to Wembley, so I just wanted to be right for. I just wanted to give me a, myself a chance in case he did call. He, he, you know, he did put me on as a sub, or if he did name me as a sub. So I just wanted to be as fit as possible, and I just wanted to end the season on a high. And you know, not just for the football club, but for me as well. I just, I just wanted to play really well if it was given a chance. And in the end, I came on at half time, and I just wanted to make the absolute most of it. When you and that's why I took a penalty when I should never have. <laughs> get, to be fair, that it wasn't the best of penalties, was it, Chris? Let's be honest. It's terrible. I've, you know, I've seen it back so many times. Well, not so many times. I can't watch it. But I'll say it was terrible. I've seen the, the angle. From, I don't know whether it's from above or above the net, but it's nowhere near the corner. It's, it's, how we never saved uh, Sasha Elliott? She needs shooting for that, by the way. The thing is, with that as well, though, like, obviously, I'm guessing you still speak to Mickey Gray, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How often do you remind Mickey that it could have been you that was him, but it was him instead? <laughs> we never talk about it. We just, <laughs> you know what? The, the, the good thing about all that is we, we smashed the lead the next year and got yeah. promoted, so it was just quickly forgotten about. It, it is, isn't it? It's funny. I mean, I, it's weird. It's only when you, you talk to these these types of podcasts when they bring up. I never, I never ever think about it because I, all I when I think. Back to my time with Sunderland is a promotion season. Yeah, it's like that season never really happened. You don't really concentrate on the failures, do you? Or you don't. You don't no. like to look back on the failures. And I think when you look back as well, because obviously we started late getting into our stride, like what October time. But once yeah. we got, once we got into that, so it was almost like a a precursor for like how good we were going to be next season, wasn't it? Really. Well, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna get promoted out of the that championship or division one, what it was called back then, you, you need to go on uh, fifteen to I don't know, fifteen to twenty matches unbeaten run, don't you? Yeah. If you look at the best teams that have been promoted, they go on these mad runs, don't they? Yeah. And I think uh, Sunderland in that the first season when I was there, I think they reached about eighteen games or something unbeaten, which is an incredible run. That's what shot them right up to third place in the end. And then the following season was just it was outrageous, wasn't it? Oh, it was like I mean, just from the the first game to the end. And I think there was a, there was a yeah. game that I remember, um, and it was we we played Ipswich sort of late August, I think it was. And John Mullen and Kevin Phillips scored, and it was kind of like lame to go, like because Ipswich were a good team. They had Kieran Dyer, yeah. they had yes. uh, Matty Holland, they had, they had players that would become like premiership yeah. players for seasons and seasons and we went there and just dominated them with like with all due respect John Mullen in midfield and I think we just where, where, where was that down at switch? yeah yeah it was um, it was down at uh, Portman Road yeah 2-0 end of did August I, did I play in that one? yes I think I, I remember Mickey Gray had this horrendous sort of blonde it was white oh it was I mean it wasn't blonde it was white <laughs> 
I'll never. Well, you, could, you could have taken blonde, but white. that was it. Was it was like a mullet? It was like a mullet. Well, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his um, he's got his so California you know, man. after that penalty, Mickey. Yeah, it was a uh, midlife crisis that one. I think. Made <laughs> <laughs> really, really worse. <laughs> I can't remember that game. It is. I can't remember that at all. That's why I asked if we played. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think you did. I'm pretty certain you did. I know it was pretty early on in the season, but I mean, then again, I think. I could be wrong here, but I think you ended up kind of getting in the team around sort of Norwich away and it was after Kevin Phillips had got injured and it was sort of Mickey Bridges, right. Quinny and Diccio sort of holding holding the fort. And, and if I remember yeah. rightly, you actually sort of scored against Norwich. The the goalkeeper, Marshall, punched it in the back oh, of the net. Right, yeah. Um, it, was like a, it was like a cross, a diagonal pass or cross to the far post was Quinny. I think he might have got a touch or I just went in or the goalkeeper got a touch in it it was an own goal or something like that yeah I think we're done but remember, yeah, I remember that, that was a night game as well things with that season for you individually as well right I mean obviously we trounced the entire division like the whole way through yeah. um, you got back into the side yes but you sort of <sighs> turned into a cult hero in that season um, because of the whole shoot thing when, when did you first start becoming aware of that Question, Graham. I can't remember at all. Did it come in that season? Yeah, because was it that season you were like the only player that didn't score. Was it that towards season. the end of the season. Yeah, more or less when we were like hammering teams, and it was just like you were the only uh, one that hadn't scored. I think in the whole uh, season. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Everyone else had Is that scored. The reason for it. Right. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Um. I mean, how how why why were we so good that season? <laughs> It's hard, you know, we seem to, we had a good start and then we seem to gather a lot of confidence with that. And then when you, you couple that with the, the good players that we had, um, Reedy and Bobby had assembled a, a squad full of good players. Um, you know, now Quinn, very experienced. Nicky Sun be on that stage of his career, was a very experienced. Lee Clark, Kevin Ball, um, Andy Melville. And you, you're talking a lot of players that were very experienced professionals and then you had a little bit of magic with Mickey Gray and Alan Johnson who just seemed to just uh, they just clicked straight away didn't they yeah and then, and then you know it just, as, as I said as the season goes on you get more confidence and uh, you just become stronger so I think the big it, it thing was just well. a, it, was a, absolutely, it was a wonderful a wonderful season uh, to be involved with because we, we, you know when you turn that same light into a fortress, it's, it's something else, and and we did that, and you know, we fed off the supporters. The supporters were feeding off our our performances, and it just all clicks. But sometimes you can't, you can't come up with a reason. Sometimes, and if you if you had to break it down into basics, Peter Reid put together a fantastic squad at the time. It was a good squad in terms of like quality, right? And there was. There was good partnerships yeah. all over the pitch. There was you, Summerby, Gray, Johnson, yeah. Quinn, Phillips, um, either Ray Clark, Ray Ball, Ball Correct. Clark. There was good. Exactly. But you know, the one thing that you could also tell, and it might sound a bit cheesy, but you could tell you all wanted to work for each other on the pitch. Now, I think we know we had quite a good drinking squad, but what was it that galvanised that kind of team spirit where not just the quality was there, but you also had the... You were all mates, and you could tell, and you're still mates. 
Yeah, um, I don't think you could ever... Listen, it was different in them, in them days because the, the players won't go out for a drink. Uh, it was a different lifestyle and different culture. Um, look, you could never put down that promotion to us uh, going out and, and, and bonding over a drink. And you, you don't get promoted through that. It's a way around. That comes after the wins. So you, the, the, first and foremost comes the football, then the winning of the games, you know, and then all of a sudden... You, we were close mates. Then you're going out celebrating the wins. Then you become a lot closer. It's all down to the football. It wasn't just down to having a great team spirit. That, you know that comes with winning matches. That and even you may have been involved in football clubs where we got fantastic players there, a good group of players and good pals and all that. And for some reason or another, you're not winning matches, and it's it becomes a nightmare. And it's just all to do with winning football matches. And for some reason, you asked for a reason before. It just clicked that, that season. You're talking about if Bali got injured or Lee Clan, and then there's a player like Alex Ray comes in. Yeah. A fantastic option to have. Uh, you know, if Buzzer got injured, I remember Marty Smith coming in at one stage. Wonderful talent he was. You know, Danny Beecho could come in for Kevin Phillips or, or Quinnett. And we had that all over the pitch. You know, earlier the centre half got injured, then Jody Craddock and Darren Williams was in reserve, me and Darren Holloway. It was just, I mean, when you look back, I suppose it is a point that there was competition all over the pitch as well. But Yeah, there's another good point, what you just said there, Graham. You know, you know, I knew if I if I wasn't on my so I was determined to keep my place that year. And I was confident I could do it. But I always knew that if I got injured again or, you know, started getting a bit lax a day to come, then I knew Dan and Oliver was, was a top fullback because I've seen the form he produced the season before. And he had that all over the pitch, so the players that weren't playing were pushing the players in the first team. When you think about it as well, right? Kevin Phillips was injured for four months. Lee Clark was injured for three months. <sighs> what, what, that promotion season? Yeah, Phillips uh, broke his toe and was out for three or four months, but then you had Michael Bridges came in. I mean, Bridges, Dicio, Quinny and Phillips. Yeah, and I mean, Michael Bridges if it wasn't for that injury that he had, that he got at Leeds, he would have played for England. He was one of the best strikers England, yeah. like that we produ- have ever produced. But unfortunately, he got injured later on when he went to Leeds. Um, yeah. Which actually, here's, here's a point for you as well, though. I mean, I don't know whether you remember it, but come the end of that season, uh, you had the Lee Clark situation. You had Alan Johnson and... Michael Bridges turning down a contract did that filter out towards yeah. the players as well did you get to hear anything about that or was it just business as usual no no we, we knew what was going on we knew um, more or less in the sun about uh, what, what Clark had did down at Wembley uh, for, for, that was against United yeah it was yeah that was that game well Clark did what he did at you know, so straight away he, he was never going to play for for Sunderland again. So, and I think he ended up uh, going down to Fulham. And then I remember coming into training. We were training in pre-season, and then you, as we were coming in, uh, sorry, as we were going home, then uh, Alan Johnson and Mickey Bridges were coming into train on their own because something had gone wrong with the, the contract sorts. I, I seem to remember. So that was strange. So before you know it, we've been promoted with a fabulous side, and then we're three players down three great players, Alan Johnson, Mickey Bridges and Lee Clark. So there's three fantastic attacking players that were missing already going into the into the, uh, the Premiership. And you're thinking, well, we, need, we really need to get a move on here, both of the, the team, not just the squad, but the team with, with good players. What were your thoughts on the, the Lee Clark situation and how did the squad react to that? 
Um, it was just, a, I thought it was a, a massive mistake, but I don't know whether he did it on purpose or not, because he, I don't, did he want to play against Newcastle for Sunderland? I'm not, not so sure. So maybe it was a way out for him, I don't know. You'd have to ask Lee Clark, I don't, I don't know. Never really asked him. We had him on uh, the podcast not long ago, actually, and he kind of he alluded to that. He, he, yeah, he, he was a massive miss because he, he was a fantastic player. Um, and then and then the other two as well. He just you know you after you know after such a wonderful promotion campaign, and then it, it, it carried on. It, it was supposed to carry on through the summer, and then when you come back for pre-season, then you see those three players are involved, thinking. What's going to go on here now? We should be, we should be more, we should be more buoyant going into the Premiership season. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, a knockback to the to the squad, really. Yeah. When things like that happen, though, right? Because it didn't affect us when you look back, because we had a great first season back. Yeah. When you look back yeah. at stuff like that, Bowley was obviously the captain at that point. Bowley is someone you know. I've interviewed as well. Great bloke. Um, yeah. But how important does things like team spirit and having people like Kevin Ball as captain come into yeah. play at moments like that? Does that do, how quickly do you galvanise? Because if you have three players, especially three first teamers and two really yeah. really important first teamers, yes, Bridges. We yeah. have Phillips. Yes, obviously Clarky. We had Alex Ray, but Alan Johnson and Mickey Gray losing them, uh, losing Johnson going into the season. Losing yeah. Clarkie going into the season was huge when you look back and, and a massive, massive miss. Um, but how important is it to have people like Kevin Ball and people like like having that kind of team spirit around at that point to kind of keep you all well, galvanising together? Of course it was. It was massive. And, and you talk about Ball, you know, Quinny and then Stevie Ball joined the football club, which was absolutely massive, by the way. Brilliant. And don't man. forget... I mean, we, we took a bit of flair out of, um, with with the departure of Alan Johnson, but Stefan Swartz coming to that left-hand side was absolutely... I mean, he was an international player, he was top class. I remember, I remember doing a, a training session once, I think we were... I'm sure we were abroad somewhere, and Thomas Helmut joined from Bayern Munich. Yeah. And he played in his training session, I've never seen anything like it. When I looked at Buzz, I said, oh my word, this, he, he was playing everything one touch, she couldn't get near him. It was absolutely incredible. So you know these types of players came in. So even though, even though at the start this was at the very start of pre-season when we lost uh, we lost Nash uh, Clarky, sorry, uh, uh, Bridges and Alan Johnson. But then as pre-season went on, he said he started bringing these class players in: Stevie Bowles, Stephen Swartz, Thomas Helmer, and the, the level of the training absolutely just went up. Oh, I don't know how much it was. It was incredible. The training sessions were unbelievable. The quality that Thomas Helmer and those players brought into the into the football club was was incredible. What happened with Thomas Helmer? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't know. The rumor at the time was Bobby Saxton felt he didn't have the legs, so maybe playing the Premiership. Which I don't know. You'd have to ask Bobby Saxton that. Um, or maybe really thought that, but then why bring him to the football club in the first place? Yeah, he, he, he was an incredible player. He went on to play in the championship. You know, you know what you know player. what you do nowadays with him. I mean, you you, could, you couldn't really do it in them days because everyone played four four two. So you, you'd like to play him in front of the back four if possible. Yeah, it, it, it would have been unbelievable there, but we didn't we didn't play that. Or no one played that formation at the time. To so first game of the season, you get Chelsea. Always going to be a tough game anyway. I think yeah. 
as you said before, at that point we had people like Steve Bold, Schwartz, so we'd got over that losing players that we hadn't brought in genuine absolute class and quality. Great season. Yeah. Then you go to Chelsea and you get hammered. How do you? <laughs> does it bring you back down to earth a little bit? There was some was struggle with injuries going into that that game. I don't think we had the full start now. I remember there was a few uh, missing years. Chris Longs now. I don't know whether that was his Premiership day. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Longs played that day, um, and Chelsea was one of the best teams in anyhow. So they just signed uh, Chris Sutton. Yeah, a massive amount of money. And I remember him. He, he should have had a hat trick that day. I mean, we, we should have been. It was four 0 on the day. It should have been about eight or ten. Really was Chris Sutton kept on going through one on one, and they just they were they were they were a top class side. Then it was just becoming to be, be a top class side, and uh, they ripped us apart. I suppose looking back at how the results panned out, though, getting smashed that early in the season is is that a good thing in hindsight? No. No. How's <laughs> <laughs> that a good thing? I just thought it might have prepared you. <laughs> what, what do you mean, just get it out of the way and this? Well, At least you knew what you were up against. <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, but we, it was never, we weren't expected to compete against the likes of Chelsea, um, Arsenal, Liverpool, United, them teams at the, at the top of the time. So you could you could look at it in a, in a positive way, or the only way to look at it is at least we got it out of the way, you know, and then we concentrated on the midweek game, which was we played Watford, yeah. I think, on the Tuesday. Uh, I mean, and the, and the way we were feeling at the time, that was more or less guaranteed win yeah when it proves to be how does how did Peter, I mean I know from speaking to players from that era Peter Reid and Bobby Saxon especially Bobby Saxon was huge in terms of getting the team sort of together so we hadn't been used to losing for a while at that point and then we lose yeah. 4-0 what does Bobby Saxon and Peter Reid say to you after that as a kind of like move on with the next game or were you still were you kind of I think it, accepting it I mean I can't remember I can't remember what the words were on what the team sort was that the debrief, whatever you want to call it, after the match. But I'm sure it would have been along them lines. Forget about that. They're one of the top teams in the country. And, you know, nothing was expected at the time. So forget about it. I think the most important game. I think if they would have looked at the, the games, the fixture list before the season, you would have wrote Chelsea off anyhow and just concentrated on, on that Watford game. Yeah. Putting fixtures up and thinking, right, where are we going to get points from in this season? There's not many people would have put us down for a, a, a draw or a win against Chelsea away, but they would have put us down for a win against Watford on the Tuesday night, and that's how it panned out. And then on the Saturday, though, you go up against a better side and you get points against Arsenal on the Saturday. What score was that? It was you had well, they had Bergkamp, they had Anelka, they had. Did we draw or Henry, did we win? Nil nil, drew nil nil, got a clean, clean sheet. Nil-nil. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. This seems to have a good record against Arsenal. Um, and a stadium alike. Remember getting the draw then, and then the following season we were beating them 1 0, did but Quinny scored. Yep, open day of the season. Right. Yeah. yeah. Bang on. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I mean, since so all of a sudden after that bad game, you beat Watford on the Tuesday, and you pick up a clean sheet and a point up against Arsenal, who alongside United, the, the top team in the country at the time. So then your confidence is absolutely sky high. The big thing for me, if you remember at the end of that month, was the Derby game, right? And I think that's yeah. when we really took off as well. Obviously, that understandably has loads of there's loads of confidence you can take from winning the Derby for a million and one reasons. Yeah. But 
that was your first derby against them. What are your memories yeah. of the game? It must have been mad just to play in the game itself with the weather and everything like that. Well, the, the stadium was being rebuilt. Um, I think we only had, did we have something similar, like 500 fans there or something like it's that? Relatively small, yeah. Something like that. Um, and it, just, it was just a downpour. You know what? They wouldn't, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't, they wouldn't play that game now. No. We were walking through the tunnel and the water was above your boots and the pictures of trophies. Sometimes the ball wasn't moving and, you know, the good thing about that game was we we come from uh, a goal down. It was one nil down at half time. Really, the second yeah. half, and we, I remember the two victories against Newcastle in, in both seasons. And we always used to come on strong in the second half against Newcastle. They always used to have to bright, have a bright start against us, but we always used to outplay them after that. And um, I think the second half we, we were well on top. I remember just at the end there when Baldy went in for that tackle he nearly turned into <laughs> the tackle turned into nearly turned into an own goal that's how powerful this tackle was <laughs> <laughs> I mean you were you were like right next to him when that and if I remember rightly yeah you just saw the ball loop and you're thinking oh no here we go you don't want to you know you think you want the free you're going to get the three points and so if you conceded a goal like that, you'd be absolutely gutted. Well, look, did it go off the post or the bar or something like that? Crossbar, pinged off. It went right Cross over bar. Thomas Sorensen's head and just pinged off the bar. Went yeah. straight up for a corner, it, which they wasted. And then we had a fabulous win and we all went back to uh, O'Neill's in Dunham for the drink after that. And and uh, was that one of many messy nights? Or? <laughs> it was at the time, but like I say, you... you, you you, you couldn't do it nowadays and you wouldn't do it nowadays if, if you was a professional footballer now you you change with the times but back then it, it was part of the game why do you think that changed? yeah so it was, I think Arsene Wenger came over and um, he had a bit of he was changing anyhow mm-hmm. I won't push it down to Arsene Wenger but he, he did have a big impact in, in the in the way that he off the field, what he did, what, what he achieved with Arsenal was was massive, and I think that filtered through to other clubs. It was changing, anyhow. I remember being at Oldham Athletic, and and Joe Rowe left, and Graham Sharp became player manager. And he stopped, I think he stopped the, the booze on on the coach after the games. What did he stop? He stopped Chris for something, something as, as silly as that. But you know, players used to eat crisps and got all sorts of crap on the coach. And he stopped all that. So it, it was coming in anyhow, and it was just the way it was, wasn't it? It just changes all the time, and the game evolves, and, and that side of, uh, of things was, um, was phased out. Some exchange betting companies run short lived promotions, like months long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf. Almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. So, moving away from obviously that sort of stuff as well and, and the derby yeah. and things like that. Um, I remember following that period, we were just ridiculous. We just, no matter who we yeah. came up against, we just. That that was it. We just we beat them. I remember Derby, Derby away. Five nil. Yeah, yeah. Five nil. <laughs> One that sticks in my mind. I think, I think we beat them. We beat them, and then 
five uh, nil, and then we played Walsall in the in the cup in the week, and, Beat them and then, five nil. you know the lads that weren't involved played in that, and they won five nil. Sure, they did. Cost and Fred God scored two. Did it? There's a blast from the past week. Cost and Fred God, geez. Um, wow, yeah, yeah. Really going back, but the one game that really sticks out in my mind was um, Spurs at home. Now, oh yeah, yeah. Um, was that Halloween? On Halloween? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, that's right. With thirty well, percent. Well, it was on a uh, Sunday, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, Quinny was incredible. He scored twice, and you had you had Janola just coming off the end of that season. Obviously, up against you as well. Yeah. Would you say he was the best you came up against, and and how do you prepare going up against someone in that level of form? <laughs> I don't, yeah, um, it's a good point that because um, it, it was different in them days it was 4-4-2 everyone played 4-4-2 so it was always a we, we, we used to have Bobby Satson and, and the staff used to break it down into, into battles so it was you know uh, like you say my partnership with Nicky somewhere we'd have to we'd have to keep the, the right side strong Mickey on the other side the two central defenders to, you know and so on um, but I never used to get a and I didn't mind it, and it was part of our partnership. And you know, I never used to get a lot of help of, of Buzzard defensively. <laughs> and he, he, didn't, he didn't expect a lot of me uh, going forward because he, he didn't want the full, he, he didn't want a full back overlapping him because he used to, he wanted the space to attack the full back on the outside. So we knew our limits with each other. So I remember being particularly nervous before the, the Tottenham game because it was up against Ginola and I'd seen what he'd done in the previous years he, he's one of the best wingers so-called wingers at the time um, so I was nervous but I was really really determined to to have a good game against him and he, 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 I'd done my job at, he got took off at half time so that was my job done yeah that's true he came off the back of uh, prayer of the season did he not? I just remember him being outstanding I, I I'll tell you what it was, I'd seen him, I'd watched him against Gary Neville and he tore Gary Neville apart. And I, I remember going into this game thinking, because he was two-footed, as you know, so when you're up against a winger with, with one foot, then it's quite easy to, not easy to play against, but you know, it makes it easier. But when you're up against a winger that was like Ginola, who had two fabulous feet, you think, which way do we uh, uh, show him? Do we show him down the line or show him inside? And... I remember thinking about it all week, how we're going to approach this game. And in the end, um, I, you know, I managed to be, I just managed to be up for the game and, and just did a number on it. Not long after that sort of period as well, though, we, we hit a really bad run of form, didn't we? Um, yeah, was it over Christmas? Yeah, going into the new year, really. Why? I mm. think it was 13 games we went unbeaten. What was it that happened from memory that? took you from essentially like in the top four to suddenly like it, we didn't go mid-table but we dropped like seventh or eighth and was it just mm. a case of we didn't have the strength and depth or was it just yeah just that yeah yeah um, I remember I remember uh, sorry uh, Kevin uh, Phillips being injured and then I think when Kevin came back Quinny was injured and then so Deitch was coming in and it just it just didn't click, especially when Deitch was more suited. The way we played at the time, Deitch was more suited to coming in and playing with Kev Phillips. But I mean, Quinny and Deitch, it didn't really, they didn't really go together, did they? No. Um, because you know, if it, obviously, you're looking to it 
uh, Quinny on the diagonal or he looking to do that with Deacon and Kevin a feed off that so you couldn't really do it with Deacon or um, Quinny because they both didn't have the pace to get in behind for the flick on so that didn't really work out and I, th- I think we, we we had a real obviously without Kevin won't score that many goals at the time and when you look back at the end of that season we, we only needed a point or t- was it a point or two well, we finishing Europe both seasons were really similar. It was like maybe a point or a win away from sixth both times. I think a point would have done it because I think we might have we might have had a better goal difference than Aston Villa in the, in the first season. So we considered we went 13 games over that, that New Year period. And all we had to do was take a point would have been in Europe. Which, um, if there's any regrets, I don't really think back in my career, but if it, I would have loved to have played in, in, in Europe with Sunderland. And I think I think we deserved it at, at the end of that season. Because at one stage, we were, we were really strong. Remember, remember the Chelsea game at home? We absolutely dismantled them 4-0 up at half-time. Um, I, remember, I remember getting beat five away to Everton. Yeah, and then we hit back straight away. We went 2-0 up against United. And then they managed to get the, the last-minute equaliser or the last through Roy Keane but you know those those types of games the atmospheres and all that stadium like was bouncing we had a good team and I just felt we we should we should have gone in Europe we should have Do you think if we'd spent a little bit more money in well there wasn't a January transfer window then do you think if we'd maybe brought someone else in do you think that would have made a difference because we had we had a good yeah. squad but I, I can't think of where we could have added but there was definitely something that was just missing I just think the, the mix was wrong up front for me I don't think especially when Kev was out Kev was such a did he end up getting a what did he win that that, that season in terms of being a top goal scorer was it a golden boot yeah he won the golden boot yeah yeah you know, and then and I'm sure he missed some games over that period, and and then it's just that balance between Deach and Quinny just wasn't right for me. Whereas if he had another uh, short, sharp player like Kevin, who we could have bought maybe over that over that period, would have been better for us, I think. There was, I think, there was a, a big over reliance on Quinny as well, which became really apparent yeah. sort of much later on down the line. But yeah. See that's what I'm saying. So he, you know, he, you could, you, so you would have liked to give Quinny a little bit of rest, and Deech would have been ideal to go into Quinny, Well, not Quinny and, and Deech together. It should, they just didn't marry each other because of the, you know both play similar styles. And if you had Michael Bridges at stayed, then you've got your, your direct replacement, which exactly. is what you had the season beforehand, um, and where Michael Bridges was scoring what 25 goals down at Leeds at that point. Yeah, there you go. There's your, there's your pacing behind there. You know, if the ball's going up to Quinn, he's getting a flick on, on or he's holding the ball up, then you've got the, the runner uh, just coming off his shoulder then. That's your pacing behind the opposition defence. Now, in that bad run that we had, we got beat 4-1 off Arsenal, right? You may remember it. Right. And then you've got Nicky, Mickey, and you go out for a night out. Paparazzi step out, see you leaving the club with a certain person. Next game, manager drops you and Nicky Summerby. Yeah. What happened in the dressing room with that? Was was that anything to do with the paparazzi stuff or was it more of a case of... We well, weren't in the papers. Me and Buzz weren't in the papers. We didn't get Was it just Nicky? <laughs> <laughs> it's a blob bombshell, wasn't it? <laughs> of course. Me, me. Um, I think it... it, it 
it was coming it was coming to a head I don't think really was happy with, without me knowing really wasn't happy with my form at the time he wasn't happy with Buzzer and, and things came to a head at Arsenal and and, and, and forget about the night I, I had a blazing round really after the game anyhow so really dug me out and I reacted and he felt I wasn't uh, showing good form and I, I disagreed with him and we had, we had a blazing row anyhow so I knew he was in a lot of trouble anyhow and I, I, this night out and I, I, I didn't because of the round we really I just didn't fancy going out but I remember I remember my dad saying or, or, or some people and I was just go, just go and have a drink and forget about it and then you start again on Monday so I went out for it we went out and um, and, and it led to what it was you know we, we had a <laughs> We ended up uh, going for the night out and it was all pitching in the pain, splashed across all the, the bloody uh, papers on on the following Monday morning and it, that just compounded my, you know, the argument I had me read it. Um, and then that was it, I was dropped for the game, so they played Leeds at home on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then we were done 2-0 and it just gave me a little bit of a, a way back in really because I think both the goals came from the, the right hand side I mean Buzzer didn't play I think we were both dropped yeah he did he dropped you both he dropped um, and he played Darren Holloway and uh, I can't remember who else he played in the wing I want to say I think he put Alex Ray on the wing yeah, right, I, don't, I remember both both goals we got beat too you know, I think both goals came down the right hand side so yeah they did you know <laughs> I think we were training on our, on our own at the time. We'd seen what adapted to Alan Johnson and uh, Mickey Bridges and me and Buzzer ended up training on our own. So, oh my God, we, we might be out of the club here. Did that, I mean, did the situation, because uh, you, you came back on the team like the week later, so what was said in between? Newcastle. Yeah, and you almost scored twice. And, and what happened? I know. Like, what, what happened within that period? Like, because there was a big, like thing with Peter Reid where if you fell foul of Reedy it seemed like that was it yet yeah. you came back in um, we did, there was a break after that Leeds match there was a, a two week international or something like that and um, as Reedy likes to do he, he, he used to take the lads to Manchester for a, you know, a bit of a social gathering a bit of running down there but more to get the lads together and, and a bit of a drink and um, uh I remember the weekend, Mike Tyson was fighting in Manchester, so the old city went crazy. Everyone was there, and uh, and we were down there at the weekend as well. So, uh, and, and like I said, the reason I came to Sunderland was because of uh, the relationship between Peter Ead and my agent at the time, Mike Morris. And Mike Morris called me and said, You better go down and you better go and sit down with Reedy and have, you know, have a little chat, see what you can. See if you can uh, make things up. So I went down for a chat with Reed and um, we had a good chat and he said, listen, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing you a place back in the team that's going against Newcastle, but I'll think about it. Anyhow, he put me and Buzzer back in for it. Um, and it was a, fab- a fabulous game. I think, we, did we go 2-0 down? We were 2-0 down the first 20 minutes and then, but Phillips... 2-0 down, yeah. They always had a good start against us then, Rob. Yeah, Phillips, Phillips scored straight straight after their second one, so it was like 70 yeah. minutes of constant pressure, give or take. I, I, I remember the second half, we more or less camped in their half. We, yeah. we, always, we was always too strong for them. And then we got the, sec- the equaliser, and then at the end we was absolutely pounding the goal. And honestly, the referee would have played another five minutes, a few minutes or whatever, I'm sure we've got the winner. 
Yeah. It was a, I think it was a relief for them to come off the pitch with a draw in the end. But uh, me and Buzzer went back into the side for that for that game, and um, uh, I can't remember what kind of run we went on after that. We we did all right. It was it was in between the period where we did lose a few games after that. But then we played. Mm. I think we played Everton at home, and we went and beat Everton, and we went back on just quite a. a, a I think good run. Scored, didn't he? he scored the free kick. Was it one 0 Was it two two one? Two one. Yeah. Phillips scored a curl, yeah. a curl, was it? Yeah, and Summerby got the Summerby got the first one. I think Nick Barnby scored for Everton. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. But um, that was I think that was around March time, and we came back. Um, right. And then towards the end of the season, I think we actually had a, a, quite a good run once that monkey was off our back. Um, yeah. And, and and you started the you started the the next season in the first team again. So did you feel like it, your form towards the end of the season had changed Reedy's mind? Um, not really. No, I, I think you give me the armband. I was captain for the last ten games of the season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Baldy was still out at the start of the season. Yeah. Baldy was Baldy, I think Baldy might have left. Yeah, he had. Um, so, at the end of the season as captain, so I expected um, to start the season as captain, but um, he, he gave it to Mickey Gray, so yeah, straight away I knew uh, sweat, something was up, really. And then, um, you know, you... He wouldn't play me in a few of the games. I wasn't starting uh, two or three of the games when, when I felt I should have. And uh, it was never the same after that. Yeah. Did you feel like it was never the relationship, which was yeah. totally different? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, changed. But did you feel like your form was off? Because none of I can't remember it with some of you or with yourself. I don't remember you ever dipping in form around. No, listen, I'm, I'm my worst critic. I'm my harshest critic. If I don't play well, then you know you won't you won't, you won't see me for days. Or I'll be sulking. So I just think maybe I wasn't playing at my best, but I don't think my my form was any worse than anyone else's at the time. So that's why I disagree with with Peter Eden. That's why I stuck up for myself. If, 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 if I feel I'm right in an argument, then I'll argue all day long. If 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 you've got a point against me, I'll take it. Um, and I disagree with Reedy at the time. What did he say when you? Because obviously you went to speak to him. Did you ever, did you ever speak yeah. to Bobby Saxon about it? Because I, I I believe no. just from no okay no. Go on, what was you going to say? I was going to say if just just from players that I've spoken to from that era, a lot of people seem to, like really was the, the stern, quieter one, whereas Bobby Saxon was more like, you wouldn't cross him, but he was someone you could speak to and I felt like maybe he would be some sort of mediator between players and Reedy who could maybe, you know, be in the middle and, and share both sides, but that ne- that never happened. That never happened with me, that, that situation. I had mm. a chat with Reedy down in Manchester, but <clears throat> excuse me, and I thought maybe the, you know, the situation had been repaired and it seemed all right because he gave me he gave me the armband at the end of the season towards the end of the season, and I thought right, okay, we're all right now. But there was just something. Maybe he, he had to think about it over the summer. I don't know. You'd have to ask Peter. E, but it, 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 the relationship changed a little bit at the start of that season. But you remained in the team until March, February. I did for the majority of games, and um, but he did, he did. You know, he started a few games without me. When that you know that never happened a season before. Yeah. So I found that quite you know quite strange. What do you? I mean, do you still have a relationship with Reedy, or is it a case of that kind of ended? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, 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 Steve, no. Listen, you're asking me questions about reading, it's a bit of a bad time and all that, but, you know, that's football, isn't it? And yeah. You're two grown men and it's a lot... It's a long time ago, and I've seen reading loads of times, and I get on great with, with reading. I have no problems whatsoever. He was a manager, he had to make a decision, and as a, as a manager, that's his right. He's, he's a, that the head of some football club. He's got to do what, what's right for the football club. And he, he did what he felt right, was right at the time. But then he brought in, I mean, everyone remembers Patrice Carter on quite well because he scored yeah. in the Derby game, but. At the same time, I think when it, you're looking at Carter on, he was he was a totally different defender. It wasn't even that it was it was thought about. But one thing I noticed when I just look back is like you look at the players that were sold. You know, Alex Ray, Summerby, uh, yourself, the players that kind of got frozen out and, and replaced. Mm. Then he replaced them with completely different players that were foreign players. Do you think that was a, a a conscious thing? Do you think he wanted to go more continental? Um, I don't know. You know what? I watched a, a fantastic podcast the other week and it was, uh, and the interview with Bob Murray. And, um, that was us. That was it, yeah. It wasn't me personally, it was our Connor, yeah. But um, that, that, yeah, that was yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it took a while to get going, but then it was fascinating after that. And, um, and Bob went back to that time there and he said, you know, the, the situation with Chris making there wasn't a situation, you know, the, the thing with Nicky Summerby didn't need to be a, a problem. And listen, and I just said a minute ago, Peter Reid is the head of the football club. He makes the decisions and he's got to stand by them. And at the time, you know, I was surplus to requirements. He got rid of me. Uh, Nicky Summerby likes it. Now, the only problem is when you're at that level, any level actually in football, the whole point of making a sign at a football club is if they come into the football side, can they stay at that, the level or improve the, uh, the, 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 the side? So if you're going to bring a fullback in, in for me, then he's got to be at a certain level or it'll be even better than me. And that's, that's the whole point of bringing someone into the football club. Yeah. And obviously, it, it, it didn't work out that way because a couple of seasons later, they were relegated. So you've gone, you've gone from being on the verge of Europe to, to getting relegated. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating, that interview with Bob Murray. And, um, it, it was quite revealing, actually. Yeah. No, it was. Because like, there was, there was a situation yeah. I didn't have a problem. I didn't want to leave Sunderland. Nicky Sunderland certainly didn't want to leave Sunderland. You know, we're playing for 48,000 uh, people every, every, every other Saturday. We had a good team. I just felt that that squad or that team was dismantled or, or broken up just a little bit too early for, for my liking. And it, not for my liking, it proved, it proved that way. Yeah. And I think it proved out to, to be that way. It just seemed, I mean, because you went in the, the March and then I think Nicky yeah. Summerby obviously went the season afterwards, but he pretty much was gone from the first game. It just yeah, seemed he, he, he wasn't playing, was he? Just, just didn't want him in the team, put him into the... And there's never really been yeah. answers behind that. And and I think that Apart kind of... that Bob Murray interview, yeah. the first time in 20 years, someone said anything about it. And it's weird because from a fan's perspective, I think a lot, looking back, I mean, Jesus, I would have been only about 13, 14 when that happened. But I think a lot of it kind of all seemed to stem back to that night out. But I don't think it did. I, I mean, you, you, talk, you told me before no, that... it can't be a night out because Mickey, Mickey, Mickey was pitching in the paper. He stayed in the team. 
I love Mickey Gray though. Really love Mickey Gray. I don't think Mickey Gray could have done anything wrong. I, I feel that in that situation, really. So why why were we left out then? That's the usual question, isn't it? So that's got to say, it can't be to do with the night out then. It's got bits to do with the, the form then. But I, I, I just can't remember anyone dipping in form at all. Like literally nobody, and I, I can't, I can't think of a reason why he felt the need to dismantle it because there was no. He'd obviously seen something, you know. He'd um, obviously picked up on something, so maybe he wanted to shake it up a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, that was the, that was the only disappointing thing at the time. It's just. It's just when you, when you look back there, I, he just felt he was broken up just a little bit too soon. Yeah, we, well, it proved to so, as you said. I think it was way too soon. Yeah. But, and the, the, the problem is he, he brought in um, Carter on on loan. Carter on didn't stay, so yeah. I didn't think much of him. Then he brought in Bernd Haas the season afterwards, which, with all due respect, was absolutely rubbish and a totally different player. Um, right. it, it, it just didn't seem to make much sense. But based on, obviously, what we're discussing and stuff like that, were you surprised when, obviously, your agent said they'd been a bit from Ipswich and really happy for you to go? I didn't know anything about it. But I signed up for a reserve game and Ricky Spazier came up to me. He said, uh, you better get uh, Mike on the phone. You, you're going to Ipswich. So what are you talking about? He said, um, you're on your way to Ipswich. I said, right, all right, no problems. So I phoned Mike up, told him about um, Ipswich. So you better get in contact with him and see what's happening. So next thing, and, uh, I'm down at Ipswich having talks, but no one at the football club told me anything about it. It was only Ricky Spazier. Did you not speak to anyone in the like in the aftermath of it when you went? Did you receive any phone calls or anything like that? Or? No, I had a wonderful letter off Bob Murray thanking me for my services. Um, well, that, that's about it. But really, all Bob never pulled me and said, you know, what am I? If they, if they, you know, just pull you in and say, right, there's going to be a pattern in the ways. This is how I'm thinking. No problem. It happens. That's that's football. It's a man's game, and that's the way it is. Well, no one, no one pulled me to the side and, and, and told me that I was, you know, I was going to switch, switch. But anyhow, it, it didn't really, it, it wasn't that big a problem. Once, once you know, like I said before, once you know that you're not wanted at a football club, you got to go straight away. Simple as that. Don't matter how much you loved it at Sunderland. Once, once you're not wanted, you got to go. So, when was the first time you spoke to really after leaving Sunderland after you'd retired? Or I've seen him at that. I'd seen him at Portman Road, I think we played his son in that season at Portman Road and oh, I yeah. saw him in the tunnel and said hello and all, like, not a problem. And I never really had a, a massive problem. He's just, he, Reed, he's, he's the manager of Sunday, he's looking after the football club, he's got yeah. a decision to make. I went, I went to Richmond and played in Europe, so I, I proved my point. I went to a, a fantastic, another fantastic football club and we ended up qualifying for Europe, we ended up playing in Europe, so you know my, my, if I look at my career my career didn't go downwards after I left Sunderland no it went up technically because you went towards when obviously well, like, you, Europe, you, yeah of course well, I wanted to play in yeah. Europe I felt I should have done it with Sunderland wish I would have done it with Sunderland but I managed to do it with Ipswich which was a fantastic experience with Sunderland then just to kind of finish off when you look back um, and I think as a fan, when you look back at like your career at Sunderland, you, you, you remembered really well. There was a, a bloke that messaged me before when I was asking if there was any questions. And I had a couple of people message me saying, oh, no questions, just let him know he's the best right back I've seen 
during my era. And I think a lot of Sunderland fans would attest to the same because it was a good period. You fitted yeah. what Sunderland fans like. Um, yes, there was kind of a sour end to it in a sense, but in the in the long run, twenty or fifteen years yeah. on, you, you look back and, and it looks all rosy and fine. But if you could, yeah. is there anything you would change or anything you do differently or anything you regret? No, well, you know what? It sounds all just ended on a sour note, but you know, now I'm going to go read you. Digging people, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm no, doing answering your questions. Yeah. At the end of the happen. day, I played. I'm grateful that really took me to Sunderland Football Club when he built a fabulous side, and I played my best football in my career under Peter Reid, and that's all down to Peter Reid. So Peter Reid was wonderful for my career. He was a fabulous manager, and what he achieved at Sunderland was absolutely incredible. And we, we, you know, people in the football club, and me included, and, and, and you talk to Buzzer now, and you know, what would you do to take those days back to the football club now? Oh, anything. And that was, you know, you know, that was all down to Peter Ian and Bobby Sasson. They, they brought in some wonderful uh, players into the football club. And I play my best football under Peter Reid, so a big thanks goes to Peter, uh, Peter Reid and Bobby. So, where does it rank on? I mean, I think I know the answer, but in the terms of your career, you've played for some really good clubs, really big clubs. But where does Sunderland rank? Yeah. Rank? Yeah, in terms of like. I play, your whole I play, I play my best football at Sunderland. I loved it there. There was nothing better. In, there was nothing better. There was a stage there when we used to run out with, with that music. I don't know what the music was called, but. Um, we used to run out and there was 48,000 fans there they had to put that new north stand on yeah it was, it was just you know that's the biggest thrill the biggest buzz you know knowing that you're going out there and I mean you can never predict the result but we used to go out before games knowing that we was going to win we very rarely lost the stadium alight the place was bouncing all my pals used to come up from Manchester the United fans used to love going to the stadium alight purely because of the atmosphere it's absolutely incredible, and we had it there for a, for a for a while. We, you know, the, the stadium was bouncing, everyone was happy. The, the team was tough. It was a good team, and uh, and life was good. We had we had a fabulous uh, couple of years there at the stadium alike. Yeah, yeah, the best the best times I think the stadium alike ever seen. If we're honest with each other, don't think it's been as good since. Hopefully, it changes. Well, um, they had forty six thousand there the other way, didn't they? They did against Bradford. Yeah, yeah, we. They, I wouldn't wow. say the good times are coming back because of the division, but they they feel like they're on the upward trajectory, shall we say? Well, if you get, you must be doing something. Like, if you're getting forty six thousand in in division League two or whatever it's called, if you get forty six thousand, and then you're taking eight thousand away to Blackpool, then he, the manager's doing something right, or the team are doing something right, aren't they? I think there's a the the one similarity I would say from from the team you played in the team now compared to what we haven't had recently in the in-between stages is we have a connection with the players, the management and the board. And, and I think yeah, it's been a really long time, a long time since that's happened. And I think it's testament to Sunderland that even if you're second off top in the Premiership or, or second off top in League One, mm. as long as you've got a connection and you can see the players work yeah, their exactly. arse off, that it's a, it's a cliche, but like that's kind of pretty much all we ask for, I think. And I think the players appreciate that. Is that down to the new manager or is it down to the new regime? I'll tell you why it is because me and Buzzard have just watched that. Do, do you, is it the, not the Premier Passions, what's it called? Uh, the one on Netflix now? Yeah, yeah. 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 Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And it just looks as though Chris Coleman had come in and, and try to get it. 
he looked a perfect fit for Sunderland. Yeah. And he, was, he knew what he was all about. He knew, you know, he, he was a bit like Reedy, passionate, and he knew what the football club was about. And he, he just hit a brick wall at the end there when, you know, they got relegated again. But, you know, the, the new regime were coming and they, they changed the manager. Somehow they've, they've got it all together again. Fair play to them. It's just a, a new mindset, and and honestly, yeah. I think you know, we two leagues difference um, from, like I say, the team you played in. But again, it's just it's having that connection again. I think, and that's what Sunderland is, yeah. isn't it? It's a, it's a community club. I would like to say, um, I think it's very much based yeah. on the way that people are in the area, and we have a lot of similarities um, as people. And I think when you can see players given the role, that's yeah. it, it tends to you know when when players give the role, it also ends up where you get results as well. Um, and, and that helps. Is, yeah. <laughs> so, they're, in a great, they're in a great position now. I mean, I think they've got a game in hand now. They can go four points yeah. there, uh, Pomp, and they can go above Luton. So, it's going to be a, you just want exciting times, don't you? I know they're in Division 2, but at least they're at the top of the table and they're pushing for promotion now. And, you know, if they get, get promotion, hopefully, then the momentum takes them on for another promotion. Seen it, seen it done before that, where teams. Go from League Two or you know Division Three to the old Division One. Seen that before. You never know. When you all teams Southampton. They deserve to get back there, don't they? You know. Yeah. That's a Belgium uh, theme tune. Where did they get? Where did they get that theme tune? By the way, for that program. It's a. I don't know what it's called. It's a lad called. Um, ah, he's called Martin, but the 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 performance, the the guy that he performed as, called the Lake Poets. Yeah. Um, it's on some spots, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a song. That I love that song. It is good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've. Uh, it's. I'm not the biggest fan of acoustic, but it definitely suits the series. I think. Yeah. Um, I tell you what. He, what about him in in, in that pro, uh, Dan and Gibson when he rolled the cars <laughs> off? Oh I'll tell god! You what, if, you, if you're gonna have a, have a smash, you, you better do it properly. <laughs> yeah. Me. Hey. Oh, god, I mean, me. <laughs> Where was that, by the way? What street was that? Oh, God, no. I think, I mean, it, that was on oh, the... Like a, like a quiet little street. What was you doing down there? That was the morning of the game as well, that. Was that, it? That was before the game. He must have been injured, though. Was he out injured at the time? Or? Yeah, and annoyingly, he was getting in a decent form before that. I mean, you know, the, yeah. fun, the funny thing is, you, you, like you said, football's changed and stuff, but you must watch yeah. that and watch certain players and people like Jack Rodwell and stuff like that. And... Is you're not an old pro, but you were a different era. I mean, you must look at that and think, "What the fuck?" Like, you know what I mean? Like to treat a football club with such disdain. <laughs> it's a division two. He's on seventy grand a week. Mind yeah. you, who at the football club negotiated that contract? <laughs> Lee Congan, I believe. Hey, well, come on. So you got yeah. to, everyone has a relegation clause put in now, don't they? Yeah, of course they do. Especially if you like modern day football, you got to. It's just how how, was, how did how did he get away with it? How did no one put a relegation clause in his contracts? How he was seventy grand a week or whatever it was in or forty odd grand in 70. a week in Division Two? Mm. It's all about mismanagement. But apparently, Season Two is going to be all about the correct management <laughs> moving forward because uh, there is apparently a Season Two coming as well. So if you enjoy is Season it? One, apparently oh, get promoted. <laughs> well, yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Do you think we'll get promoted? You've got a great chance, haven't you? Yeah. I'd say, if, if, if you get, even if you're getting 30 or 40 fouls or whatever in that, in that surely that'll push them onto promotion. It's got to. It should. It really Fantastic should. Fantastic crowds, aren't they? 
when we're in a good mood, yes. Um, it, it can go the other I way, know, but I mean, at the I minute, know, yeah. everyone seems there. to believe in you, you can believe <laughs> in that. You know, you can believe in that regime and you can believe in those players. And again, it's it's like... What's he changed, the chairman? What's, what's he done? Or the chief exec, whatever they call them nowadays. He's just a, what's he changed then? It's just a bit more, for me, it's just a bit more transparent. No, he's just more transparent. I mean, he's he's active on Twitter all the time and he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't cut any bullshit. Like, whereas Ellis Short had pretty much had left at the rot. He didn't want it. He just didn't want it anymore. And he didn't want to put money into it, I think. He put a lot of money into the football club, didn't he, Alex? He did, he yeah. Just, uh, misdirected, wasn't it? Completely misdirected, yeah. I mean, he, just yeah. he employed business people to run a football club and it, that doesn't work. Yeah. You need football yeah. people to run a football club, I think. I mean, I've never owned one, but I would imagine so. Um, but yeah. yeah, just just bringing it back to the... Not so much bringing it back to the basics, but giving the club back mm. to the, the community again, making people feel part of something, which I think is the first thing you have to do. And yeah. You feel that disconnected to a football club. Sometimes you just yeah. need to say, like, look, this is your football club. I mean, he, the, the, the stadium light seats had gone <sighs> pink. They'd gone... They'd been oh, that sun damage. I, I, I last came back. You know what? It might seem like... a a funny thing I'm going to say well, I came back about when did I go there I came for a Boxing Day fixture it was against Hull City you got beat 3-1 three, three, four years ago yeah they got beat 3-1 they got beat yeah and um, you know, I was looking at the the the, 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 the sea for pink yeah. the, uh, what's the not the running track but the you know the 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 red, the red yeah, stuff on the yeah, side of the, the pitch. Yeah. I was all cracking up and thinking, this ain't, this doesn't look right. It doesn't look as though he's going into disrespect. And, you know, as a WC club, you're getting off the wrong signal, aren't you? Yeah, completely the wrong signal. And I think, talking about what Stuart Donald did, he, one of the first things he did when he came in, he, he ordered loads of new seats, loads of red and white seats, and got the fans to install yeah. it. So the fans were like making their like they were making their own seats. They were they were making the ground look yeah. presentable again. And I think it's not. It's Actually, like a small, small thing, thing but it's massive. Like it's because it just gives yeah. you something back to the club. And um, I just hope yeah. it, I just hope it continues on. Um, but it's it's nice to hear you still care, Chris. <laughs> um, always good yeah, to hear that. You never lose it, do you? We, no. you know, we, we we still have good chats out there. We buzz it all the time, and you know, we always keep up with what's what's going on back home and. Um, we just we would we'd love to get promoted because you when you me and Buzz were talking the other day, you know, when you see crowds like that, you just think the, the players must love it at the moment then. Yeah. Players must love it, honestly. Well we're running out to forty six thousand. Yeah, superb. How is Nicky anyway? Do you alright? Yeah, he's still daft, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still crackers, yeah. yeah. I can I can attest to that. We're just, we're just covering that Asian Cup at the moment, the Asian Cup's on over there and um, we're just covering a few of those games, so it should be good to see how Qatar get on in this year. They've got a nice, decent team, you know, with that World Cup coming up in four years' time. So in December, is it? Interesting right? times. It's going to be in December, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be strange, Perfect isn't it? weather. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a big advocate for it, though, aren't you? You think it'll be a good... I remember last time we spoke, you thought it'd be a great it's, idea. It's going, to be, it's going to be different. You're going from Russia, which is, in all fairness, it's not just a country, it's a continent, and it's massive. Yeah. You're coming to Qatar, it's going to be held in Doha, which is a city of two million people. So it's like, it'd be like holding it in Manchester, the World Cup in Manchester. But, you know, it's going to have its advantages, really. It's going to be packed at the time, but, you know, you'll be able to get to 
two or three games in one day, hopefully. It's going to be very, uh, it's going to be interesting, anyhow. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks again, mate, as always, for doing it. Um, always nice appreciate one, it. Always good having a chat. Nice to see you doing well. Um, nice one. Keep in touch, and I'll let you know, obviously, when we've got this up, and I think everyone will be quite pleased to hear from you, mate. Nice one, Dave. Thanks for the chat, mate. All the best to everyone. You as well, mate. All right, have a good New Year. Well, a good 2019. We're past New Year now, aren't we? Jesus. Um, you but too. Have a good 2019 and uh, keep keep uh, keep up the good work in Qatar. Um, sure and uh, aye, just keep doing what you're doing, mate. Look after yourself. All right, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. So that was <laughs> we had to uh, go through through. A phone call for that. Did what we could do. We're always got to catch up with Chris. Obviously, yeah, and you interviewed Chris uh, about a year ago, I think. And um, he he stayed in touch. He's a really good book, uh, really really good book, and someone that I get on with uh, very well, and someone that completely understands something football club. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, the the quality has worked out all right for you. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting I'm a little bit worried about that, but. And speak to you soon. Thanks as always for checking in. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDag is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDag, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.